Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. Let's pray. Holy One, the things that we need to hear today are between us and you, but I pray that we hear them. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, and may they fuel the fire of our faith this morning. Amen. So when I was in my pre-teens, I went through a bit of an identity crisis. My mother had made the mistake of telling me the origin of my name. So she had wanted to leave my gender to a surprise when I was born, but she was absolutely convinced because of how big she was that I was going to be male. So her and my father picked the name Andrew. And when I was born, she said, she panicked, and the first name she could think of was Andrea. So I was livid. The fact that my mother had not been intentional with my name and had named me in a panic, I threw probably the biggest temper tantrum of my adolescent life so far. And I asked her, well, surely you'd gone through the baby book. Surely there was a name that you had picked for me that you thought maybe possibly if you had a girl that you would name. And she said, well, yes, actually, now that you mention it, uh, I always loved the name Zoe. Zoe? I would have loved to be a Zoe. I look like a Zoe, I walk like a Zoe, I talk like a Zoe. I would have loved to be a Zoe and instead I got Andrea, the derivative of Andrew because she panicked. I was so mad, I hated my name so much, I almost walked out of the door to the DMV to change it but I didn't know that you could do that at such a time and she said in her very pragmatic way, Andrea, the name is yours. Find a way to make it yours. So in my defiance, I wrote out my name in a Sharpie, Andrea, on a piece of paper, and I took that Sharpie in front of my mother. I think I even like magneted the the paper to the fridge, and I took my Sharpie, and I drew a line straight down the middle of the E, and I said, fine, I'm spelling it Andrea with an I from now on. And that is how my name has been spelt ever since. I never did change it legally. What we are called, what we are called matters. As a Christian, I have also been called lots of things. Christian being one, of course, but I remember when I first took this position at Hillhurst and I came out for my first visit with Anne and John, I had just posted a tweet and I thought it was a great tweet, but it got a lot more attention from some conservative who I like to call Theobrogens, than I would have, uh, than I would have liked. The tweet simply said, just, just for sake of the story, the, the tweet said, whenever I say, let's go girls, I am always referring to the Holy Trinity. Well, conservative Christian Twitter did not like that one bit. They called me all sorts of things. Sarah, what did they call me? Horrible things, blasphemer. They put reverend in quotation marks. You are not ordained. They said they even put Andrea in quotation marks. My mom would love that. Anyway, this one was my favorite. They, uh, the, the next one says uh, she is of her father, Satan. People say horrible things on the internet to strangers that they don't know. You can hide out there. It's not nice. 
So I said to John, anyway, are you sure that you want to be associated with the likes of someone that is being called that on the internet? And he said, oh, if you're not being called a heretic, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> so I was in the right place. <laughs> but Christian, Christian is a really uncomfortable thing to be called sometimes. There are so many different connotations. And if you don't know the history, it's bloody. We have not always been the Christian that we hope people are referring to when they call us Christian. I struggle with this word. I struggle being called this. But there is a phrase that pops up this time of year. It gets used all the time right after the resurrection of Jesus and it takes all my trepidation about being called a Christian and tosses it aside for something that feels good and true and beautiful. And that phrase is an Easter people. We are an Easter people. We are a people who have knowledge of the rest of the story. Now, without even defining Easter people for you, I'm sure one or two have popped into your mind. People spark into your mind when you hear this phrase, an Easter person, it's the, it's the person's name who you fill in the blank when you say, what would so-and-so do? That's an Easter person. It's the person who speaks wisdom into situations so complicated into pain so complicated. That's an Easter person. It's the people that we see rising again and again from circumstances that we think would be way too unbearable. They rise again and again. That's an Easter person. It's the people who, as Anne Lamott would say, are the hallelujah anyway people. An Easter person a person who sides with life over and over and over, an Easter people. What we are called matters. Now, I can almost guarantee that when you were thinking through the characteristics just then in your mind of those people that maybe came, to, came into your thoughts when I mentioned Easter people, one of the words that I'm sure did not come up for you was doubtful. It's not a characteristic that we associate, maybe obviously, with being an Easter people. And yet, one of our key Easter texts, we hear it every year, one of our key Easter texts makes doubting a characteristic that encompasses a whole person. John preached last week on Easter beginning in the dark on some of us not being quite ready to enter into this season of regeneration and renewal. And I wonder if you heard it, the first line of this passage, John 20, verse 19, it said, when it was evening on the first day of the week, when it was growing dark. Again, we find ourselves in the dark, that time of day and that time in our lives when we encounter the emotions that say we might not be ready for this. The emotions that say we might not be at the rebirth place yet. The emotions that say we might not believe in the possibility. And that is where we meet Thomas, or as we know him, by his nickname, 
doubting Thomas. All right, put a pin in that. So Catherine Hoke is the founder of a nonprofit called Defy, and their goal is to, to transform the potential of prison inmates through entrepreneurial programs. And in an interview I heard, she said this, and I'm going to quote her. She said, imagine, imagine if you were known for the worst thing you have ever done. Think back to the action that you most regret in your life. Think about the labels that would be attached to that. Drunk, cheater, murderer, adulterer, whatever the label is. And now imagine for the rest of your life. It's 20 years later, you've paid the consequences in full for whatever mistake you've made, but you are now permanently known as the ex-drunk, the ex-cheater, the ex-embezzler, the ex-whatever. And you go and you fill out a job application, and at the top of your application, it is the first thing you have to do. You have to check the box, even though it's 20 years later. Next time you want to rent an apartment or get a mortgage, it's the first thing you have to write, your ex-label. The people that Catherine serves have paid their debt to society, but for the rest of their life, they are known as the ex-whatever. So what would your life look like? if you were handcuffed by your most shameful moment. I kind of feel like that's Thomas in this story. He has this one moment of doubt, and we have since nicknamed him for Christian eternity as Doubting Thomas. It was one time. Heaven help me if I was nicknamed for all the times I gave into my humanity. I wouldn't have this job, that's for sure. <laughs> we do not do ourselves proud all of the time. We do not live textbook lives of faith either. And we were never asked to. We have given Thomas a name for something that he did. But that something does not define him. Jesus never called him by that name, Doubting Thomas. We did. We called him Doubting Thomas. We love to call people out for the one thing that makes us uncomfortable. But Jesus, Jesus is not admonishing Thomas for doubting on the journey. Instead, he is calling us into a faith free from being bound by the repercussions of our humanity, of our doubt. Because we'll have it. Doubt is a part of our Easter journey. Doubt is the darkness, and it isn't bad. It's beautiful, and it is faithful. Thomas didn't lose his discipleship passport because he doubted. And you are not going to lose yours. Who you are called to be doesn't change because you fell off the wagon. Who you are called to be doesn't change because you had an affair. Who you are called to be doesn't change because you had a hot head that one time and punched a guy in the Safeway parking lot. That's a confession. <laughs> Who you are called to be doesn't change because you've given up. Who you are called to be doesn't change because of the credit card debt you've racked up. Who you are called to be does not change. You are not the one thing you did. You are not Relapse Rhonda or Unfaithful Fred. 
you are a follower of the way. That's what people used to call Christians before we had a name, followers of the way. And on that journey, we make pit stops, we take detours, we lose our way, we run out of gas, we blow through stop signs, again, confession, the engine turns over, we get road rage, we doubt a lot, and still, we are on the journey. We don't put down roots because the car breaks down, we keep going. Because an Easter people is not something that some people are and some people aren't. It is not a demeanor or a posture. It's not something we have to earn. An Easter people is not something we become. It is something we have already become. An Easter people is something we became. To be an Easter people is to live our lives on this road after the stop at the tomb and to hear the stories of Christ's mysterious appearances to those we encounter and to identify as one of them, even when. That's what we do in this community. We point, we tell our stories, we share where we have seen resurrection for the people who have not yet. We had 100 new members recognized this week. And I decided that I would put a post on my Instagram for these 100 members I wanted to show off. And the staff asked me about it. They said, isn't it gonna look like you're flexing? And a little bit, but here's my argument. Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we want to celebrate the hearts of 100 people deciding to call this place home? Why would we not shout from the rooftops that every day people are deciding that holding themselves and being held accountable by a community like this is something that is of value to them? Why wouldn't we celebrate that? Because belonging to a community of people proclaiming to journey with them as we just did means that in our terrible moments, and there are going to be plenty of terrible moments, we are trusting not to lose our place, not to lose our discipleship passport. We're trusting to be loved through it. We are trusting not to be nicknamed, but to be known. We are trusting that these people around us, they will tell us what they have seen. When we doubt that there's a place for us here anymore, when we can't see it ourselves, when the darkness is too thick, we trust that this community will pull us closer and stand shoulder to shoulder and just point. Look, that's what we do as a community. We have now entered the season of Easter. You may have heard the saying, it's not a day, it's a way. As an Easter people, all of us, our work is to turn the resurrection over and over in our hands until we believe that we are called to life even here. Every time that I tell the story of my name to people. I get a phone call from my mother afterwards. She hears it through the grapevine. I don't know where these people come out of the woodwork from, but it is what it is. I get a phone call and she's always so frustrated. She always says, Andrea, with an I. Andrea, you left out the most important part of the story. So I was a high risk delivery. 
My mother was airlifted from Port McNeil, BC to Victoria where they had a hospital that could accommodate the delivery that she needed. And after I was born, it was a whirlwind. They needed to take her away. They needed to take me away. My mother panicked in the naming of me, not because she didn't care, but because she cared so much that I had a name when I was by myself in the nursery. She wanted people to know that I had a name. What we are called matters. And we may be, on occasion, a person of doubt. We may be a person of mistake. We may be a person of regret. We may be a person who has done something we really wish we hadn't done. But we know better than to call ourselves by that. In life, in death, in life beyond death, we are an Easter people. In life, in doubt, and in all the life that lies outside of that doubt, we are an Easter people. May it be so. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.